You may ask, how did this tradition get started? I'll tell you. I don't know. But it's a tradition. And because of our traditions, every one of us knows who he is and what God expects him to do. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Let's Talk Torah. I am Rabbi T. Jacobson with NRM Streamcast, and we'll spend the next hour talking Torah, learning stuff, and having fun while we do it. If you'd like to contact the show, you can call us at 844-999-9249. That's 844-999-9249. Or you can always email the show at letstalktorah at gmail.com. That's letstalktorah, no apostrophes, at gmail.com. And we will answer as many questions as we can. First, you know, even before we get started, the weather. Can you imagine? We're still in October it is raining, 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 but better than Chicago, where it's snowing, 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 snow in October. That's crazy. Certainly, at least in this part of the Midwest. And we might even have snow come tomorrow night. And we're hoping no snow. But that's just the weather. But in here, we're warm and cozy. Uh, been a busy week. Just sent my son off to Israel. So I have a son and daughter now in Israel. Drove to Toronto. Made great time. Um, got in. Went out to eat with my wife in Toronto. Came back. Maybe eight, nine hours round trip. Was really beautiful. He's happy. Settled in. Even though he now has a phone. But he he sort of feels that he gets to call me once a week. So even though he's 6,000 miles away, what's the difference? 600. 6,000. He'll call me Friday morning for my usual chit-chat, which is so nice of him. We got lots of stuff to talk about today. We got Noah. We got the flood. We're going to talk heroes. We got rainbows. We got power of peace. Lots of stuff. But actually, a little bit different than my usual order of the day, we're going to get into some trending news first. I thought that would be a good way to start. You're kidding me. You got to be kidding me. Are you kidding me? I mean, are you kidding me? Are you kidding me? You got to be kidding me. Uh, so I don't know if you heard about this, but the World Series has now ended. Not that I really cared who won or lost. I was actually surprised. Um, but I guess if you're a good Detroiter, no matter what side you were on, you had uh, one of our pitchers on each team. You had Verlander, and you had, you had uh, I'm going to forget all the names, whoever pitched last night. Um, he, um, yeah, sure, sir. Yeah, he was there. So um, anyways, it was going to be Detroiters winning. But in any case... Um, in the sixth game, and don't ask me names, who, what, doesn't really matter to me so much, but a guy hits a home run, and there's this fan with two two big cups of beer, and the home run ball is coming over, and instead of dropping the beer, he lets the ball bounce off his chest. Now, besides the fact that that ball is probably worth a lot of money, and you're at the game, so you figure you want a souvenir, and how much is a... Is a is a cup of beer worth it? It's ten dollars, twelve dollars, but home run ball in the World Series, and you don't drop your cup to catch it. That's problem number one. My <coughs> sorry about that. I'm fighting my cough. But in any case, that's problem number one. But the the real problem is. Um, and besides, it became an advertisement. Maybe that's what he was thinking. Um, people called him like a hero that he protected his two cups of beer 
So he is there for a hero. So someone is very, very confused. And it ain't me. But just because you saved, whether I think you're right or wrong, irrelevant. You saved your cups of beer does not make you a hero. A, a little bit, we need to be more careful with semantics, with how we talk, with what's important. We got to know who and what is a hero. So I am going to spend some time today, some at the beginning of the show, certainly some later in the show, um, translating the word hero. A, a hero, again, you can take this anyway, like I, I, I don't think sports people could be heroes. A hero is someone I'm supposed to look up to. That means even over history, if you were a great a general, I, I'm not even sure if that makes you a hero. A hero is someone that I or you should look up to if we are children or adults. Hopefully there was someone in our life that we looked up to and said, this is a person that I want to emulate. Hopefully, for many of you, it's a parent, a mother, a father, maybe a grandparent. Grandparents could be people we could look up to. Spiritual leaders are certainly people that we look up to because these are the people that I want to emulate. Um, I had a teacher tell me many years ago, So I guess there was some big wrestling match going on in Madison Square Garden, so um, people were yelling, screaming, they're heroes, these big, strong wrestlers. So he said to the class, he said, very interesting, he said, I promise you, if you're outside that stadium and something happens to you and you, you, you need a lift or something, they are not giving you a lift in their car. They are ignoring you. They don't want to talk to you. Um, even a rabbi here in town told me back in the 50s, um, when he would go to a ball game, and in Detroit, like it was like a walk-up stadium, it was like really easy to get in and out. And your hero, that baseball player, the guy who hits the ball the farthest, and the averages, and a pitcher, you want to talk to these guys? They're not talking to you. They're ignoring you. I'm not saying there aren't any exceptions, but he learned at a young age, that these guys could care less about anything that happened in his life. And what exactly do I want to emulate? That I'm a good athlete? The likelihood is I cannot emulate a good athlete. So what am I emulating? What, what good character traits do you have that I would like to be? You're going to want to get married. So your wife is going to look up to you because you're an athlete, or your wife will look up to you because you're a good person. And on the other extreme, spouse the other way, right? Husband wants to look up to his wife because of what? Because she's a good person. That's what we want. We want our children to look at us because we're good people. We look up to our parents because they had what to teach us, we look to our grandparents because they had what to offer us. It has nothing to do with money. It has nothing to do with strength. It, it really has to do with character. And that becomes a fantastic lead-in to this week's Torah portion. We're up to Noah. Noah, the flood, but before we get to Noah and the flood, the Torah gives the intro, who is Noah? And the Torah tells us Noah was a righteous man, perfect in his generation. And we'll discuss maybe what in his generation means. But if somebody could write a bio about me, and the bio says that Rabbi Jacobson is a tzaddik, is a righteous man, especially if it's coming from God. Now, God writes your bio. 
or, you know, in the back of your book and says, oh, Jacobson is righteous. That's it. I'm done. I, I made it. Hey, you, you, you can't get a better accolade than God in his Torah saying Noah is a righteous man. I mean, that's it. That's the best. You win. To be righteous, you're obviously going to have a good character. Right? You're going to be somebody that people can look up to. You're going to be a special person. Noah is this righteous man. Okay, in his generation, we have to deal with with what's his generation. What is what does that mean? What what is the Torah trying to point out? I discussed with my class this week, and we're going to discuss it now momentarily. But the bottom line is that Noah is someone that we could look up to. So Noah is a person that I could want to be like. I want to emulate that righteous person. Okay, so a lot of people nowadays, you don't want to be a righteous guy. You don't, you don't want to put in the effort. You're afraid you don't have what it takes to be that righteous person. Okay, you know, I, I, at least I can hear it. But there's certainly going to be things about him you don't want to take the whole package, but there's got to be a lot of good stuff with a guy like Noah that you want to emulate. And therefore, people will name a child after whether parents, grandparents, or after a righteous person. And when somebody tells me, and I've met these people, that they name their children after baseball players. You know, sorry, Jess, I apologize if you're paying attention. That's... That's not the person. As if I name my child after a righteous person, I'm saying, I hope my child grows up to be like this righteous person. I hope my child grows up to be like this grandparent or like this parent or like this uncle or like this, in my case, or like this rabbi. Okay, good. So that's what I want my child to be like. So I give him a name and say this person's name or a biblical name. These were great people. You were named after great people. You're named after great people. I'm telling the child, even when I gave him his name, what was important to me. If I tell my child, I named you after a baseball player. I named you after a movie person. So what am I telling my child? That I want you to be a multimillionaire? That I want you to, I don't know, just start watching the news. A different guy got, got arrested for, <clears throat> for whatever crime he may have committed. What am I telling my children when I say I want you to be like this baseball player, like this football player, like this, uh, I don't know, like this movie star? But if I give my child a name after a person who was good, who was special, who had great character traits, a biblical name, I'm telling my child I want you to be special. I want you to be great. But to be great in things that, first of all, anyone could be great in. Again, you name your kid after the baseball player. The chance of that child being a great baseball player is slim to none. Of course, someone has to be that player. But between me and you, slim to none and closer to none than slim. But we all could have good character traits. We all could be good people. We all have that opportunity. So why not tell your child what's important? What's important is good character traits. Be a good person. Be a good citizen. Being a good baseball player, sorry, I know the World Series is over and millions followed and watched and paid money and whatever, but at the end of the day, okay, it's entertainment, so be entertained, fine. So sit for three hours, four hours, I don't know how long. So be entertained, but don't let your child think that this is what's important. Okay, you heard my rant, you heard my rave, you go for it, you don't go for it, but 
But going back to heroes, you got to know what a hero is. A hero is a, in, in our case, beginning of the Torah portion, Noah, God says he's righteous. Noah could be a hero. Biblical people, righteous people could be heroes. Parents, grandparents can be, should be heroes. Teachers, let it be a great teacher, also could be heroes. You got to know like, the, the fact that the that people could call a guy who protects a, 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 a cup of beer a hero. We're missing something. That's the bottom line. Bottom we're missing something. So let's get to the next part of the verse, at least, <coughs> before my uh, before my segment um, comes to a halt. In any case, so Noah is righteous in his generation. So he asked my class, and 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 think about it. You have a, imagine you have a, a, okay, let's, I was going to pick a classroom, but to my class, a classroom, to you, we can uh, choose a, 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 a city, a poor neighborhood, where unfortunately many people in that neighborhood may be doing drugs, may be thieves, they can't live, they don't have money, they barely have food to put on the table, they're struggling, don't get me wrong. But there's a lot of crime going on. And you live in that neighborhood and you don't commit crimes. Maybe even try to clean up the neighborhood a little bit. So you are a good person. That's automatic. You are a special person. The question is like this. How special are you really? In other words, if I picked up this person from this crime-ridden neighborhood... The person who tries to clean things up and uh, to tries to make a difference for people. So he's that righteous or she's that righteous, special person. And I pick up that person, I pull them out of that horrible neighborhood, and I put them into a, another neighborhood where everybody in the neighborhood is good. There's no crime in the neighborhood. The neighborhood is clean. Everybody's taken care of. What will happen to that person? righteous person from the inner city. Will that righteous person from the inner city become even better? Because now you're hanging around good people. Or when you're with rotten people, okay, so I'm not a rotten person. I'm hanging around rotten people. So I'm better than the rotten person. But when you pull me out of the rotten neighborhood, will I just be like everybody else? Or will I be even better than than what I was before? And the truth is, it's both. There are some people that when you put them in a better situation, they, they naturally are good people. You're giving them opportunities, they'll be even better. They'll make sure to, to get the people in their neighborhood to go back to that inner city. They'll, they'll use the, 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 the money that they now have, the situation they now have to make even more people's lives better. Or, or they won't. So that's the question with Noah. When the whole generation is rotten, everybody's wicked, and people are, are doing the worst crimes, and thievery it talks about, it says the, which I don't know if we'll get to today, um, it says the, the fate of, the, of, the, of that generation of Noah, the generation of the flood, the fate of the generation of the flood was sealed because of thievery. So people are rotten. They're, they're committing crimes. They're not good people. And Noah rises above it all. So the question is, if we would have picked up Noah and put him in a future generation when people were good, maybe you you put him next to Abraham, let him become Abraham's neighbor. 
So would he now rise above it and become even better to be just like Abraham, to be better than Abraham e- even, to, to do what Abraham was doing on a new level? Is that what would happen? Or if everybody's pretty good, he'll also be pretty good, but no reason for him to rise to the top anymore. So this, interesting, is a debate amongst the rabbis. The verse says Noah was righteous in his generation. So does that mean if he could do it in his generation, for sure he'd do it in a better generation? Is that how you read the verse? Or do you read the verse, Noah was righteous in his generation? But if you'd put him in a generation like Abraham, he would not have risen to become anything um, special. That's the question. It's debatable. We don't need an answer for it. The, I'm not sure if it really matters, but but it could matter when we think about ourselves sometimes. That when I'm in a situation and I'm and I'm rising to the top, would I rise to the top only because you know everybody's rotten, so I could rise to the top? Or when I'm with great people, I can rise, become even greater. That becomes the question. Um, so it reminded me of a story. I don't know if I'm going to finish the story now because I'm getting close to a break. But uh, we like personal stories. So my daughter-in-law, when she was up here from Florida, told me the following story. Um, she went into a grocery store. It actually happened to me recently. And somebody left her credit card there. So she told she told the person by the cash register, she says, oh, I see someone left their credit card here. Do you mind if I take this credit card and try to find out who the owner is? Now, again, if you're running a store, you cannot like let people take somebody else's credit card, even though they claim that they're going to go ahead and uh, and return it. Okay, I'm gonna I'm gonna finish this. I'm gonna finish this when we come back because we're up against the break. My music is playing. You're listening to Rabbi Tzvi on Let's Talk Torah. Um, we're gonna be back right after the break. So hold through the break. We'll be right back. Hey, how are you? I'm Gerald Valley, and I want to invite you to listen, watch share my new show, The Drop-In. It is going to cover skate, music, culture, actually all sports. I have some great guests lined up and it's to inspire and motivate people to make the most of this life we have. Check out the inspiration, the stoke, and the life of The Drop-In with Gerald Valley. We're at C2E2 with the legendary Chris Claremont. Greetings, my fellow geeks. My name is Jordan Trevilian, and this is Get It to the Geeks. We are here with David Yost, the original Blue Power Ranger. Nobody right. promised you when you bought the thing on PS4 that you could play it on Switch. Wait, your, your excuse is garbage. I'm going to pull out my crossbow. All right, sweet chainmail armor. Let's see what you got. Welcome back to Pop That Culture. That's the horror movie. <laughs> Bury the phone in the Pet Cemetery. It's got a cord. <laughs> what is going on, ladies and gentlemen? Thank you for tuning in to the drop-in today. Then you get off your couch and you make life happen. 
Hello, folks. Welcome to the Greg Russell Movie Show. When I have a couple cocktails, everything's funnier. <laughs> I still just love that line. Yeah. Producer, director, how did this whole thing come about for you? So I started telling you a story. I was trying to rush the story. Let's back up. I'll, I'll get to the story from the beginning. We'll take it slow because uh, it's really a great story. Anyways, so my daughter-in-law, this I think was in Florida. So she she's by a counter. She sees somebody's credit card. And she tells the owner, can I, you know, I, I see somebody left their credit card. Do you mind if I take it home? I'll find the owner for you. And she's a very, very simple, straightforward person. As we say, there's no shtick to her. And the the lady behind the counter says, you can't take this credit card. I mean, how do I know what you're going to do with it? So my daughter-in-law says, I don't understand you. I am Jewish, and we don't steal. That's a pretty good lead-in to, to, to this week's story portion with Noah. I'll prove it to you. Um, when I was back in Detroit, I was in a shopping center, and I came out of my car, and there was a, a check on the floor. And it was a $500 check. And I don't remember. Either it was made out to cash, which means anybody could cash it, or it was actually blank. You can make it out to whatever you wanted. I took that check home, and I started going through the phone book with all the people with the, with the name that was listed on the check, till I found the person who, whose check it was, and I told them I found their check, and if they wanted, I could either rip it up, or, or they could come pick it up, and I believe she had to rip it up. So she says, you see that I don't steal, I return stuff, and I help people if I find their things. So you could give me the credit card, and I'll try to find the owner. And this story, of course, did not let. So I did ask my daughter-in-law, I said, just out of curiosity, um, the name on the check wasn't like Cohen, right, where there'd be 400 of them in the phone book. She said, no, it wasn't that kind of name. That kind of name, she's not sure what she would have done. But um, that just that, it's just a follow-up for for what we're talking about. Like, what's a hero? What's good? What do we want our children to learn from? What kind of actions do we want people to incorporate in their lives? And uh, that's just a, a really good story when we talk about good people, good actions, what happens. And again, it has a good tie into this week's story portion, because this week's story portion, the problem was they were all thieves. They were all stealing. And the society cannot survive when everybody's running around and stealing. So therefore, God said, this society is no good. I uh, feel bad for the way the world turned out at this point. I'm going to destroy the world. And we're going to start again from Noah and his three sons and their wives. So, um, interesting enough, um, it actually says that God helped Noah. Now, Noah was a righteous guy, but he was in such a rotten society that even Noah needed help. And that's the way God works it. You want to be good. You try to be good. You do whatever you could to serve God. Sometimes you need help. God will help. If a person wants to be good, wants to be righteous, sometimes we slip up. But God will help us accomplish what we're looking to accomplish. We want to be good. God will help us be good. He'll set things up for us. I mean, we got to start it. But after we show what kind of life we want to live, how we want to raise our children, how we want to raise our families, so God's willing to help. 
whether you ask or you don't ask. I don't know if Noah asked for help. We always ask for help. We're praying all the time. We're always asking for help. Always looking to help. So, um, so that's what Noah did. So he did need some help from God, and God gave him the help. Interesting, again, it says, before the flood, the world was like perfect. It seems the world, the axis was different. The world was set up different. The, the, the sun went along the equator. Um, there, weren't, there weren't really seasons, right? Where you lived, you had your perfect temperatures. But when life is perfect, it's an interesting thing to think about. Um, did you ever go ask God for help when life was perfect? There's money in the bank. There's more than enough what you need. Your vacations are set up. The kids are healthy. The family is good. Um, you live in the neighborhood you want. You know, you're not affected by crime. When everything is great, I mean, it sounds sad, but when everything is great, uh, what do I need to pray for? Oh, might be bad weather on the on the trip. Oh, God, please make good weather. There might be bad weather when I got to take my kids out, for those of you trick-or-treating, Talk about that later. Oh God, I hope it's gonna have. We're gonna. There's gonna be good weather. Um, somebody gets sick in a family. God forbid. Oh God, please heal this person. I have a job interview. I I I, I have a. I'm trying. I have a sales call. God help me out with a sales call. Um, oh, I hope I can get this house. God help me out with the house. And it's it's natural for hopefully many people. And if it's not natural, get used to it. It's a good thing to do. But when things are not perfect, when we need help. So it's not unusual for people to say, God, can you please help me? I mean, that is prayer, isn't it? Right? When I ask God for help, that's prayer. What's wrong? People do it all the time. People do it all day long. Um, hopefully in a couple weeks, probably December time, I have uh, just read a book about a lady, fascinating lady, fascinating journey through life. Um, her name is Penina. We'll get to her whole name when if, if we get that interview. So I just read her book. Check it out on YouTube. Um, so hopefully she's going to come in. She should be in America during December. We're going to work on that. But she talks about herself that she prayed all day long. She was always praying, always praying to God. Her funny story is that whenever she wanted to pray, she wanted to cover her head. The problem was that if she, she tried to use a hat and she always lost the hat. So she ended up just wearing a scarf all day long over her hair because she wanted to cover her head and her hair whenever she prayed. Okay, but that's a, another story for another time. In any case, when life is perfect, we think we don't need God. When life is not so perfect, we realize we always need God. And therefore, before the flood and after the flood, before the flood, life was much more perfect. After the flood, life was not so perfect. So therefore, people had to pray more. That's what God wanted. That's what God needed. That's what the world needed in order for the world to survive. Okay, so God comes to Noah. We did this a couple of years ago on the show. I'm not going to do it again. We all know Bill Cosby's um, spiel, as we say. But the bottom line is God comes to Noah and says to Noah he's going to build an ark. Now, God told Noah the world's got 120 years left till I'm going to destroy what's here. You have 120 years to build the ark. What's going to take so long? So everything had to be built um, actually like with a holiness, with a spirituality, with a setup that even the trees would be planted for this ark. So Noah's got to make himself a forest. He's going to plant his trees. He's going to, he's going to, I mean, it's 300 cubits long. It's somewhere between 450 and 600 feet long, closer to 600 probably. So Noah's going to build this, I mean, it's not humongous considering what he needed to do on it, but 
he's going to be building this huge boat. So everybody knows that if you want to check out, you know, the different uh, the navy yards where they're building these boats or submarines, they're always next to the water, right? Because you got to be a fool, right? If you're going to build a an ocean liner. In the middle of, even in my backyard in Detroit, not that my backyard is big enough for an ocean liner or a battleship or a submarine or a cruise liner or or a yacht even, if it's a pretty big yacht, why would you build it in my backyard even, we talked about a couple years ago when we had that flooding in my basement that was bad, my backyard wasn't flooded, you know, a couple inches of water, six inches of water, a foot of water, my boat is not going anywhere, right? Noah's building this boat. It's 300 cubits or close to 600 feet long and and 100 or 50 cubits, uh, 100 feet long and and another 30 cubits, another 60 feet uh, up. So this is a big box, right? You know, uh, you figure out the square footage, right? It's... uh, it's 300 by 50, so it's 15,000 square whatever, right? You're going to cube it, fine. But you're not moving this thing. If you want a boat, everybody knows you build a boat next to the water. That's the most normal place in the world. You make a dry dock, so you'll flood it in, and you'll be able to float the boat out. So the neighbors, even though God told Noah that there's going to be a flood, and he has to tell the world if they don't repent, right, the end of the world is near. Right? He has to tell people to repent. God spoke to him. We got to repent. Otherwise, uh, so Noah was not the kind, not more like, not like Abraham to run around and tell people that there's a God and they're not behaving. But uh, Noah was told that he has to tell people there's going to be a flood. Right? They have to repent. But the way Noah was going to do it, and that worked for Noah, was he's building this boat in his backyard. So maybe at first nobody noticed, but as this construction gets larger and larger, so Noah is, so people are going to say, hey, Noah, like, what are you doing? I'm building an ark. Why are you building an ark? Well, because God said that he's going to bring a flood and I got to bring two of every kind of animal and my family and we're going to survive on this ark. Now, maybe some of the neighbors said, Noah, you got, you got any room for us? Like, who, who, who gets to come on the boat? So Noah said, nope, sorry, God said only two of each kind of animal, my, me, my wife, my three children and their wives. That's it. Nobody else is coming. So this is how Noah was going to inform the world that God is bringing a flood. Now, obviously the world did not repent. You can imagine that the world is making fun of Noah. <laughs> crazy Noah building that boat. He thinks God's going to bring a flood. What is he, crazy? Thinks we're going to all die? It's not happening. Now, interesting enough, the Medrash says that people told Noah, listen here, Noah, we don't believe for one second that God is looking to destroy the world. We don't believe it. It's not happening. But, Noah, we just want you to know, on the outside chance that God actually does bring a flood, you ain't getting on this boat. We're going to come and we're not going to destroy it now. Like, why waste our time now destroying the boat? We're not going to destroy it now. But if God brings a flood and we see you going into that boat, we are destroying that boat. You are going to be with the rest of us. So God, of course, says we've talked about it numerous times. So God says, 
You, you will see if you get to destroy the boat. We'll see who wins. But anyways, here comes my music. We're flying today, talking about Noah and the Flood, talking about heroes. You're listening to Rabbi C on Let's Talk Torah, and we're going to be right back. Do you want to see things like this? Did you just say you died? <laughs> well, I mean, technically. Or maybe even something like this. We'll do nothing but destroy your corpses and burn them all for my dogs. Your dogs are gone. And sometimes, a little of this. We need to have a talk. <laughs> I take my axe and I smash it. No! <laughs> and check out Podquesters, the show where we tackle ghoulish goblins, fiendish foes, and dangerous tricks. Oh, like the singer? No, the dragon creature. Oh. Anyways, Podquesters, Fridays, only on NewRadioMedia.com. Welcome back to Who's Got Chutzpah. I'm your host, Rabbi Tzvi Jacobson. And are you ready? Oh. Andy. What holiday is this associated with? Oh boy, uh, uh. Sukkot? I'm sorry, that's not the answer we were looking for. Whitney, for the win, can you tell us which holiday is this? Oh, I know, Shavuot. No, I'm sorry. I've got the answer. Ta-da! What? My show, Let's Talk Torah, where we talk Torah, holidays, faith, and all the things that help us live our life. That's Let's Talk Torah, Thursdays at 3 p.m. That's pretty good. Many times we see a guy running down to first base and it's, it turns into a hobble, get yeah. Umped. I mean, that's the, <laughs> getting umped. <laughs> that, that can't be the same guy. Can't be the same guy. Why are we here? What makes a person truly good? For those answers, you're gonna have to take a philosophy class. But if you're more interested in who would win in a fight between R2-D2 and a Dalek, watch Get It to the Geeks. I know each moment is a treasure. Thanking you for every stone and feather. What are you? And we're back. Time is flying. We're we're trying to uh, uh, make our way through this week's Torah portion, talking about Noah building the ark, 120 years. So I didn't finish the last segment. God, in the end, what God did was he actually sent lions and bears to surround the ark. That's what the Medrash says. And uh, those people who had threatened to destroy the ark, obviously, were not getting through those uh, lions and bears, and all football jokes should be left um, outside the door. Okay. Anyways, so God told Noah he's got to collect two of each kind of animal, obviously male and female, obviously the age where they can still have more children. So Noah interestingly says to God, God, come on, you think I'm a zookeeper? You think I even know all the animals? I got to travel the world to find them? It's too hard. So God said, fine, they'll come on their own. So it's an interesting thought. Again, I shared this with my class this week. Um, so I, I'm home. I'm sitting by the table. And I'll go to one of my children. Could you get me a glass of water? You think I can't get um, off my chair and go get myself a glass of water? Could you please bring me a fork? Could you get me a napkin? Of course I could get up and get it myself. But I want to give my children an opportunity to do a mitzvah, right? Then as if they bring me something because I asked for it, they're learning to do, 
to to act properly, how to take care of a parent. It's very simple. I ask them once, could you get me a glass of water? If they're too busy or they don't want to do it, I go up and I get it myself. I'm not a lazy person. We're not lazy, but we do want to give people opportunities to do good stuff. I can give my children an opportunity. I mean, I'm not lazy with them. I, I, I study with my children, as many of you know. One of my children... Um, over the last few nights, and this like extracurricular. So I really, I, 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 in my mind, they give them a half an hour. I put a half an hour aside for about 8 to 8.30. I don't know what's happened the last few nights. It's become 8 to 9, which is a beautiful thing, except I do have other stuff to do. But it's so important to him. You can see he's so focused, and it's so important for him, this extra time that I'm giving him. Um, I, I rearrange my schedule. I have to go out at 8.30. Instead of 8.30, it might be 9.30. might be 10 o'clock. I'll just have to rearrange my schedule because it's important to him. So I'm not lazy. I want to help my children or help myself if need be. But I can give them opportunities, and we all have opportunities to do good things. You can walk down the street. You can open your eyes. You can see an opportunity to do, do something good. Or you can turn the other way and lose. And I was... Helping that lady cross the street, helping somebody when they need something, cars broken down the side of the road. Someone's going to stop and take care of that person. So you want it to be you? It could be you. You could do that good deed, or you could let somebody else do it, right? Your choice, but who loses? Who loses? We, there's so many stories out there. Oh, I saw this person. He was down in his luck, and I asked him, and could I help him out? Someone is going to ask that person, can I help you? Why not? Why can't it be you? Why can't you be the person who does that good deed? But in any case, so um, so God tells Noah to collect the animals. Obviously, if God is asking Noah to collect the animals, then Noah must have had the ability. If he doesn't have the ability, then why is God wasting Noah's time? Like, what's the point? Obviously, Noah is going to be able to do it. Noah says, I can't do it. So God says, no problem. I'll send it myself. I'll... I'll put into the mind of those animals that need to show up to show up. Noah, you're off the hook. He's off the hook, but he, he lost his opportunity, right? Sometimes we got to think about that, right? We have a chance to do a good deed. Oh, I'm so happy I didn't have to do that. Why are you so happy? You had an opportunity to do something good, and you're off the hook, but yeah, but you lose. So it's something to, to think about. So Noah's going to get... Two of each kind of animal onto the ark. I'm sure he had cages and food and how all these things worked. Obviously, there's many miracles going on here. There's no way. I don't care what size boat. You cannot put on enough food for the animals. Forget people. You cannot get enough food on that boat to feed these animals. It's just not possible. But fine. So it's going to have to be miraculous either how he got that amount of food or the amount of food he got on was going to last. It doesn't really matter to me exactly which way it was. In either case, they're relevant. But uh, that entire year of the flood that Noah, and it was a calendar, it was a solar calendar year. So Noah is on the ark feeding animals for an entire year. And he's running, and there's a lot of animals. And we can assume that Noah and his children did not sleep that year. You can't sleep. You're forever running around taking care of all the animals. That's his job. Interesting enough, um, because Noah takes care of all these animals for the full year, he and his children. So because of that, again, there's changes in the world. And one of the changes are 
that that people and probably animals can eat meat. As if we look at what happens with uh, with Adam and with man, and the, they they didn't eat meat; they were vegetarians. And in the seven Noahide laws, if you'd like to know the seven Noahide laws, so um, no murder, no idol worship. Um, I say you can't marry married ladies. That's the simplest way to say it, um, because I'm not sure if there were even other ladies that were forbidden. If there are any marital relationships that were forbidden, but for sure, a married lady was a forbidden relationship. So that's number three. Um, you can't curse God. That's number four. You um, can't steal. That's number five. And number six is you have to set up a court system to enforce the first five rules. The seventh Noahide law did not exist till Noah comes out of the ark and he's allowed to eat meat. And that was that you cannot eat meat from an animal um, if, that a- if the meat was separated from the animal before the animal actually died. In other words, you can't eat. You can't take a chomp. It sounds disgusting. You can't, uh, you can't take a bite out of an animal when the animal is still alive. You can't rip off a limb from an animal if the animal is still alive and then eat that limb, even if you barbecue it, even if the animal dies later. That's the seventh of the Noahide laws. So God, by the way, besides two of every kind of animal, but um, the kosher animals, cows, sheep, goats, the kosher animals that would eventually become sacrifices or be permitted for sacrifices, Noah sold take seven of each of those animals. And uh, he understood that when he left the ark, he's going to go ahead and, uh, and sacrifice those animals, or at least some of those animals. So Noah's busy running around the ark for the whole year. Eventually, the, I mean, the rain rains for 40 days and 40 nights. The, the, the water from under the, the land is still coming up, and, and the water is rising, rising, rising. The boat is obviously floating. It's floating above the mountaintops. And eventually, the boat comes to rest on a mountain. The Hebrew name is Har Ararat. People believe that that's somewhere in Turkey. Could be, yeah. Could be not. Again, it doesn't matter to me if, it's, if that's where it actually landed or not, but it lands somewhere. And, and it gets to the point where Noah decides he's got to find out, is, uh, is uh, can we get out of this ark already? Like, where, 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 is, where are things holding, as we like to say? Where are things holding? So, Noah first. <coughs> Sorry about that. Did not get to my cough button. But in any case, um, Noah first sends out the raven. Um, the raven does not want to go. The raven just flies around... Um, Hey, these are pretty itchy um, over here. Okay. So, <coughs> cough again. Anyways, so Noah tries to send out the raven. The raven refuses. Noah sends out the dove. So first the dove goes, comes back. There's nowhere for the dove to put its feet. So Noah figures, okay, the water hasn't subsided, hasn't gone down enough yet. So he waits a week, sends out the dove again. This time the dove comes back with an olive branch. Now, it's a little bit problematic. If the world's been destroyed, um, where did an olive branch come from? So some say that the dove made his way to the land of Israel, that the, the burning, boiling waters that destroyed the world did not affect the land of Israel. Because there's a flood in Israel. The water, of course, is going to go up, but not the boiling water coming out of the ground and that rain coming down and destroying everything. 
that did not take place in the land of Israel. So the trees were able to survive. Again, it's a flood. Everything was flooded. Everything was destroyed. But the land of Israel itself was not actually destroyed the way the rest of the world was destroyed. Um, others say it came from the Garden of Eden. In, in any case, Noah understood that for the bird to bring back an olive branch, the mountaintops must already be above the water level so the bird can fly from mountaintop to mountaintop and get <coughs> all the way to the land of Israel. Okay, the next week, so Noah next makes, waits another week. And Noah again sends out the bird. This time it doesn't come back because obviously there's land, so it doesn't come back. Noah doesn't leave the ark yet. He now knows that the land is drying up, the water is coming down, but he is not leaving till God says it's time to leave. Now we're going to backtrack a little bit. Everybody understands the olive branches is always that sign of peace. It's interesting um, why the olive branch becomes a sign of peace. I mean, the, the dove brings back the, the olive branch. So where's the peace? Perhaps, perhaps the peace is it's, it's not the dove handing the olive branch to Noah. It's God handing the olive branch to Noah. That was God was angry at the world. He destroyed the world. And now he's telling Noah, okay, we're, we're, we're back being friends. God says, me and the world, we're going we're gonna to fix it this time with some of the ideas we talked earlier. The world won't be as perfect. People will learn to pray to God. People won't have everything that they want. Um, God won't allow the you know the this the level of sin to build up so much that the world has to be destroyed all kinds of good stuff some we talked about in the past but the olive branch becomes a symbol of peace um actually the commentaries say that what what the bird was telling noah was that you know noah you 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 took care of me for a whole year which is really beautiful and greatly appreciated but at the same time i would prefer that god take care of my sustenance, God feed me, um, even if I'm being fed with something that's not so sweet. In other words, I happen to like olives, but the olive is not a sweet fruit. It's not like watermelon. Somebody's telling you outside in the hallway, he loves strawberries and watermelon. Those are sweet fruits. You like oranges, you like apples. Right? Most fruit is sweet. The olive is not a sweet fruit. So um, so the bird is saying, I would prefer, Noah, that I get my sustenance, I get my food from God, I get my livelihood from God, and not have to rely on people. That's what I would prefer. That was the message. Okay. So Noah waits. Noah waits till God gives the message. And after a full solar year, God says to Noah, everybody out of, out of the boat. Everybody off the boat, come down, get out. It's uh, it's it's time for the world to repopulate, restart over again. Obviously, Noah's going to have in the ark um, seeds and sapling, saplings and grapevines and olive stuff so that Noah will be able to start planting and, uh, and let the world restart all over again. It's interesting, by the way, in my few seconds left in this segment, um, Noah chose to plant the grape vine first. And you can imagine, I mean, it's a pretty depressing world. Nothing, you know, we're, we're, in the, we're in the autumn season. It's pretty out there. And instead of Noah having the ability to, 
Enjoy the world. It's a depressing world. He needed a glass of wine. Wine gladdens the heart, the verse says. And Noah wanted a chance to get out of the world, to get to, to be happy at least. In any case, my music is on. They're telling me we got a break. So you listen to Rabbi Tzvi and let's talk Torah. Hold through the break and we'll be right back. Welcome back to Pop That Culture. That's a horror movie. <laughs> yeah. Bury the phone in the fat cemetery. It's got a cord. <laughs> what is going on, ladies and gentlemen? Thank you for tuning in to the drop-in today. Then you get off your couch and you make life happen. Hello, folks. Welcome to the Greg Russell Movie Show. When I have a couple cocktails, everything's funnier. <laughs> I still just love that line. Yeah. Producer, director, how did this whole thing come about for you? Times we see a guy running down to first base and it's, it turns into straight. a hobble. Get yeah. umped. I mean, that's the, <laughs> getting umped. <laughs> that can't be the same guy. Can't be the same guy. I'm Gerald Valley, and I want to invite you to listen, watch, share my new show, The Drop-In. It is going to cover skate, music, culture, actually all sports. I have some great guests lined up, and it's to inspire and motivate people to make the most of this life we have. Check out the inspiration, the stoke, and the life of The Drop-In with Gerald Valley. And we're back. Time is flying. So many things to cover. Um, I did want to take just a teensy little time. Obviously, today is October 31st. It is Halloween tonight. Halloween is not a Jewish holiday. As a matter of fact, you might ask a lot of Christians. It might not be a Christian holiday either. But that is really not what I wanted to point out. I just There was just a fascinating article um, written by Mitch Album, it was in the Free Press. If you saw it, it was a it was a cute article. It was a fun article, but um, it, it just it just sort of opens your eyes to what's happened to us today. In other words, the world was a simpler place, you know, not so long ago, and people were healthy and wholesome, and they lived, and you could joke and you could talk. I'm not saying everything was perfect. Don't get me wrong, things were not perfect. But uh, we, we lived in a—the the moral compass was, was just, for a lot of stuff, was so much more clear. So now we live in a world where, uh, where morality is just nosediving. And there are people that seem to want to pick and choose um, what's important and what's not important. And unfortunately, it's usually the wrong people doing the choosing. So the only thing that I noticed in the article— um, that Mitch writes about is um, you can't wear any Halloween costumes anymore because no matter what you're wearing, you're insulting somebody. And everybody is so sensitive to being insulting, you, you can't do anything. You can't put on 
any type of, I mean, good, I don't want people to be racist. They shouldn't be racist. And, and we should be sensitive. But but there becomes a point where where we could be friends and understand I'm not looking to insult you if I put on a costume. So I, I can't dress like any other culture, be dressed like a rabbi, you're making fun, you dress like a nun, you're making fun, you dress like a Muslim, you're making fun, you dress like a Mexican, you're making fun, you dress like an African-American, you're making fun. Um, he, he goes through the whole list. It's like such a such a such an all-encompassing list. Um, you can't dress like this person, you can't dress like that person. Certainly political parties, no matter who you dress like and you show up at the door, half the people are going to hate you. There, there's, there's so much anger and hatred and and if... We were sensitive. If people understood that we were all sensitive, then if you knew that I was a sensitive person, if you knew that I wasn't a racist, if you knew that I was a caring and compassionate person, then if I dress like like something that's a different race or a different religion, then you know who I am. You know, I'm not insulting anybody because I don't mean it to insult. I just mean it to, you know, this is how I normally dress. I, I was joking in the hallway because there are people running around I guess that's the best they could find for costumes. They're, they're all painted, all multicolors. I, maybe they are rainbows. I have no idea what they're supposed to be. Maybe it's the six store portion. I have no idea. But whatever they're trying to do, so I tell them as a joke on Purim, which is a, a holiday where children dress up, adults also for that matter. It's a Jewish holiday. Um, I always tell my students, I would like to dress like a third grade teacher, which is what I am and which is how I'm dressed. And everybody laughs and stuff. And they said, that's not a costume. I said, but that's what I want to dress up like. But um, but w- y- people are, are, for good reason, I understand. There's many people that are sensitive to other situations. But if the world was a place where we were always friendly, where we were always nice, where you knew that I wasn't racist and I wasn't making fun of you when I wore a costume, you would understand I, I just want to dress up. I just want to dress up and be a little different. And and people can't take it and be so sensitive that they automatically assume that if I'm dressing up like someone different than me, I'm automatically making fun of you. I am not automatically making fun of you just because I dress different. But okay, that was the article. It's something in trending news. I thought it was interesting. You could take it or leave it. In any case, um, as my time is running down, i got to get my poster up there right behind me. I got the thumbs up. We are at the last letter of the alphabet, which means next week we can start from the beginning again. Um, we are at the last letter. It is a tough. It's a either it could be a, a tet or a tess. Not a tough. I'm sorry. Tet or a tess. It makes a either T. Most of the time it makes a T sound. It could make an S sound, but generally speaking, it makes a T sound. It is the 400. Its value, its numerical value is 400. Um, it almost looks like a door with a hook on the bottom and a little thing sticking up on the top like a chimney if you want. And uh, my word this week is takif. Takif is like strong or mighty or powerful. And with all the things we're talking about, with being a good person, sometimes you got to stand up and be strong. You got to you want to be a Noah. You want to be righteous. When everybody is rotten, you got to sometimes be strong. You have a, you need an inner strength. That's that word takif. And my time is flying. So I did want to touch on one other personal note. Um, as much as I can get through at the end of the show, um, my father is a yurt site. Um, is actually a um, a week from today. So um, I'll be back next week, but I figured just in case uh, that I don't have time and uh, we're going to actually have the party, the family will get together next Wednesday night, 
Um, and I, I know people say celebrate his life, but what, but it's it really goes back to the beginning of the show. Who are our heroes? Who do we look up to? So you have a parent that you looked up to. You have a grandparent that you looked up to. I very much looked up to my father. So I'll tell stories to the grandchildren and to my children, stories and things that even if they do remember those stories, because I like to say them often, but it's important. It's important to to bring up stories about people that are heroes, because if we if we tell our children what's important— Right? Who? This person was my hero. This person was important to me. He was a special person. Okay, why was he a special person? So, um, so for example, here's an interesting thought, and it probably so we'll end the show with it. And I'm sure I said this story. My father was a pharmacist forever, and he worked for the state. And since he worked for the state of New York, he was entitled to retire with a pension. For those of you who've ever worked on pensions and worked and uh, worked on retiring. Um, you learn rather quickly that the longer, the more years of service you have, the larger your pension will be. So I remember my father called me up and he said, should I retire in June or should I retire in the following November? If I retire in June, I'm getting X. If I retire in November, I'm going to get a little bit more. And then we talked and uh, my father thought about it and he came back and he says, you know what? There are things I want to do with my life. He wanted to study. He wanted to join what's called a senior colon. He would join people that they just study Torah all day long. He says, uh, no one lives forever. He didn't know how long he was going to live. He, he basically was able to, because he retired in June, he got a full year to study. If he waited to November, he would have gotten six months. As he wouldn't have gotten out of life what he wanted. So it's important for all of us to have our heroes, but to know if there's things in life we want, you got to go after them. You got to learn when to say, I want to be good. I want to study whatever I'm going to do. But here's my music. My music's playing. You guys know I got to wrap it up. So thanks to our wonderful sponsor lists. I couldn't do without you. Thank you, my wonderful production team. We got Kelsey, Stephen, Ethan. I think, uh, not Ethan, um, Angel. I think Zach is back there. I hope I left you some food for thought. Until next week, I'm Rabbi Tzvi Jacobson. You've been listening to Let's Talk Torah on NRM Streamcast. Until next week, don't forget to think about it. There's a house we 